Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. We have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. There's not many teams at the beginning of the year that can say that. We have a chance to, and, and it's got to be on us to make that happen. You're listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide with Ted Ramey. This is our opportunity. Our time is, is now. Our window is now. 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 Now, Michael steals it away from Shen. Gives to Meyer, who tried to control it with his backhand. Couldn't do it. But he did push it behind the net for a moment in the St. Louis zone. Meyer steals it from Pareko. Moves around Bowmeister. He's by himself. He's in front. He scores! Timo Meyer steals the puck, moved around the other defenseman, was by himself, and looked like he was going to drag the puck from the backhand side of the stick to the forehand. But at the last second, he kept it on the backhand and tipped it short side. That's a spectacular goal by Timo Meyer to make it 4-2 Sharks. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. Um, you know, for me from the from the outside, there's there's been some some tough times for him when he came up and he wanted to score right away, and I think that's natural when you're a scorer and junior and you're you're a high pick. Um, I felt the same pressure when when I was trying to break into into the NHL and it didn't come right away. Um, it takes time, and he uh, he stuck with it. At, at that time, he, he found other ways to contribute to our team. He was physical. Um, and then the goals started to come. He's, he's, he's a very good player right now, and, and everyone's just learning about him. All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Morning Tide. I'm your host, Ted Ramey. So happy to be with you, as always, on the official morning show podcast of the San Jose Sharks. And, man, can't they all be game number ones? Although that was a tense game, and although it had their moments, when we've had these game ones following game sevens after Las Vegas and after Colorado, it's just it's so much nicer. And even game one against Las Vegas, when the Sharks absolutely erupted in that game, it's just nice to have what you would call a, a tense but comfortable win. And I think that's the best way to describe what the Sharks did last night. And, uh, I mean, what can you say about Timo Meyer? We've been waiting for Timo to break out. We've been waiting for Timo to have this moment. And that's not to say that he hasn't been absolutely fantastic throughout these these playoffs because he has been you know, he's been awesome and he's had some great moments and he's had some great goals, but you were waiting for him to have a quote unquote moment. And I would classify that goal as the moment uh, we'd been waiting for. And overall, the, the game that he played for the San Jose Sharks last night to be what exactly we were waiting for, because we all know exactly what he's capable of. And we all know what Timo Meyer can be. And what he did last night was simply remind everybody that, yes, he is that good. And we don't have him this hyped up in our minds for nothing. He was phenomenal. Uh, Gustav Nyquist was phenomenal. Logan Couture was phenomenal. Joe Pavelski, Martin Jones. You go down the list with these San Jose Sharks. These guys are showing up uh, for big-time moments in big-time games. And you even look at the depth players. A guy like Kevin LeBanc, for instance. He had another big night and a big goal for the San Jose Sharks. And you just appreciate what exactly these guys are doing right now. And they've won nine. 
There's still a long way to go, but they've got nine wins marked down, nine pelts on the wall, and they've got seven to go to get to the 16 it takes to win a Stanley Cup, but they are now one win closer. And this was an interesting game, and one of the things they were talking about on the television broadcast, which I, you know, I, I guess I knew this, but I didn't really put two and two together, is you look at how physical the Blues can be, and you look at the way they can play and how they finish their checks. They came into the game last night as the least penalized team of the Stanley Cup playoffs, which I guess that means that they're a clean team. They're not dirty. They're certainly not doing anything they shouldn't be doing. But the way that they went about the physicality early in the game last night, it really made me not question what they were doing, but just wonder what exactly the goal was because I think that that's better served later in the series. I know that you have this idea of wanting to come in and set a tone and wanting to show the other team what you're all about and try and impose your will, but yes, to also think about this from a, a strategic standpoint, I don't think that's going to work in Game 1, especially when you're coming off an exceptionally taxing Game 7 and you've had to travel from the middle of the country to the left coast. You're not in your own time zone. You're dealing with a rabid fan base in San Jose. You're dealing with a team that's coming off an emotional Game 7 win of their own, and they're on their home ice. I just don't think that's the exact time to make the physical play. Again, I understand you want to set the tone. You want to try and take control early, but I think that in the one sense that all that physical you know, pounding they tried to put the Sharks through, the Sharks just kind of rolled with it. They absorbed it, and they moved on with their game. And then the Blues, I think they kind of burnt themselves out a little bit, and that's why the Sharks were ever to break away and find that separation later in the game. But, you know, listen, it's game one of seven. And, you know, at this point, I am preparing for another seven-game series because, A, it's the Stanley Cup playoffs, and, B, the San Jose Sharks have found themselves um, in three different series uh, with different teams, and each one presents different you know, strengths and weaknesses. And I think the Sharks represent the same thing in the minds of the competitors they've gone up against throughout the first two rounds. And now the third round, and, you know, I again, I'm just preparing for a seven-game series. But it's it was an interesting play from the St. Louis Blues, and I'm wondering if they're now regretting it. But, hey, they had their plan. It didn't work, and they're down one game to none. But certainly there is a long way to go in this series. But for the San Jose Sharks, it was another instance of, you know, big names coming through, depth names coming through. They took advantage of a five-on-three power play, which is always huge. And that's that's one of the things that I keep on going back to with the San Jose Sharks all throughout this postseason. When they've been presented with opportunities, they've taken advantage of it. And that's not just a five-minute major. That's not just a five-on-three power play. It's also of game one. You've got a huge moment in front of your home fans. You've got them going nuts inside the arena. That is a moment to take advantage of. Same thing as that you look at, you know, you go on the road and you're able to steal one on the road. You're able to do that in Las Vegas and against Colorado. And these are the things that that Stanley Cup winning teams do. They find ways to win games. They find ways to take advantage of opportunities. And they put themselves in good situations. The Sharks have, aside from some troubles they had with their defense and goaltending in the first round against Las Vegas, have mostly refrained from shooting themselves in the foot. And they've gone against some very good teams and they've gone against some very good competitors. And it's not that the Sharks have been overwhelmingly better or it's not that they've been perfect by any means. 
It's simply been that they've been able to take advantage of situations that have been presented to them, and that's what good teams do. When you are presented with an opportunity like a five-on-three power play or you feel the momentum shifting your way in the course of a game, the Sharks have been able to take advantage of that, and that's why they've been able to win those first two series, and that's why, once again, they're up one game to none in a best-of-seven series in the Western Conference Final. And another big reason the Sharks are up one game to none in the Western Conference Final and why they're even here has been Martin Jones, who, you know, this is a guy, you talk about taking advantage of an opportunity. He was given an opportunity to redeem himself by his head coach, Pete DeBoer, when there were moments in that series against Las Vegas when they could have made a change and they could have gone to Dell. And the entire course of history for the San Jose Sharks in the 2019 postseason could have changed. But he didn't. He didn't change from Martin Jones. Pete DeBoer stuck with them, and now Martin Jones has taken advantage of that opportunity, and he redeemed himself in Game 5 against Las Vegas. He had the monster Game 6. He outperformed Flurry in Game Number 7. And then there were no questions about Martin Jones against Colorado. Martin Jones, throughout that entire series, he was never the issue. He was never the problem. That's not to say he was perfect in any um, one game versus another, but Martin Jones he did exactly what he had to do. And that's, I think, what we saw again tonight versus St. Louis. He was not perfect by any means, and he gave up three goals. But, you know, I think that you saw the third one coming when they made the push to get back into the game late. But Martin Jones, again, he has taken advantage of an opportunity that was afforded to him when his position could have been taken away. And I think that some people would have made the argument it would have been justifiably so. But instead, he's taken that moment to now exert himself and put himself into a position where he can be the guy for the San Jose Sharks. And that's what he's been doing. And, you know, it goes across the team. There's guys stepping up left and right. And Joe Pavelski is another one of those guys. I mean, you look at what happened to him in Game 7 against Las Vegas. Everyone was just genuinely concerned for him more than they were the activities of the team on the ice at that point and it led to you know the most incredible comeback in San Jose Sharks franchise history but for Pavelski to come back and get the first goal in game seven against Colorado and then get a big goal against St. Louis in game number one and send the home ice uh, the crowd in the home ice going nuts again I mean these are huge moments and the Sharks again are capitalizing upon these things. They're not wasting these great efforts. In fact, when I go throughout the entirety of the postseason, I don't think there's ever been a a wasted opportunity. There have been some missed opportunities, like when they rallied from the 3-0 deficit against Las Vegas in game number two, only to have the goal you know, disallowed because of the, in my opinion, awful call on Logan Couture for goalie interference. That was one that I felt got away from them. The other one would be in game number six against Colorado when they were just they're down one, they tie. They're down 2-1, they tie it. They're down 3-2, they tie it. It goes to overtime. They were never able to get that opportunity to tie, obviously, because it's sudden death. And I think that that's just that was one game out of that entire series where the Sharks were unable to steal it. It wasn't a wasted opportunity. It was just a missed opportunity. But listen, at that point, Colorado was playing for their lives, and you knew they were going to have that you know big game six, and that's exactly what happened because this is – the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's like the Blues tonight, how they made that big rush late and tried to, you know, they got the third goal and then they pulled the goalie and were trying to get another one on the board. I mean, this 
is how it goes. It's never going to be easy. It's what I've been hammering home throughout these entire playoffs. It's not only not going to be easy, it's probably going to be infinitely harder than you expect it to. We love to talk about hashtag two or fewer for Martin Jones and the Sharks defense, but the fact of the matter is, the fact that Martin Jones held them to three goals in this game, it's a hell of an accomplishment. He made some big saves, he saw some intense pressure, and he came up big when the moment demanded it. And that's why the Sharks, again, are up one game to none. But now let's get into it with a man who knows Sharks hockey about as well as anyone on the face of the planet. It's the one and only Randy Hahn, of course, the TV play-by-play voice of the San Jose Sharks. Randy, A, how are you doing this evening? And B, quite a performance from the San Jose Sharks once again in Game 1. Yes, they are a perfect 3-0 of opening series now, so that's a good omen. Uh, tremendous buzz in the arena tonight and uh, it kind of the carryover from game seven. And that's the beauty of winning a game seven at home, which they've done now back to back and then opening the next series with a game one win. So there's a little bit of carryover there. Uh, No guarantee of anything, of course, but it was sure a great way to start. Yeah, I always worry about an emotional letdown after a Game 7 win, especially when you're hosting the next one. But the Sharks have been able to avoid that now, starting off with the series against Colorado and now against St. Louis. Is this something, is it a concerted effort from Peter DeBoer and his staff to avoid an emotional letdown, or is it simply the fact that the Sharks are, they're kind of riding that high and going into a building in their own house that's, um, you know, almost uh, pushing them um, to victory? Well, I think it's a combination of things. I think, number one, you go through the regular season for a reason, and the Sharks had their letdowns in the regular season after emotional wins. Uh, I can recall big wins uh, over teams like Tampa and big wins over Sidney Crosby and the Penguins, Mm -hmm. and then the Sharks stumbling the next game out. And, you know, Pete DeBoer making a point to point that out, that that those kind of emotional letdowns uh, aren't, aren't acceptable and that the team has to work on avoiding that. And I think that's part of the process of going through a process of 82 games is to experience it, recognize it, and do your best to get it out of your game when it matters most. And and now is when it matters most. Now, that's easier to say than done, uh, especially when mental slash physical exhaustion uh, enters into the equation along with injury and things like that. But I, I think, number one, they were prepared for this. Uh, it's a veteran group. It's a, it's a core group that's been to a Stanley Cup final before. It is a different team. I'm not going to say it's the 2016 team, but it's a different team. But there's a there's a core of guys there mm-hmm. who know what it takes, and that rubs off on the, the rest of the group that weren't there in 2016. I think that's, that's uh, a focus going into the start of every series, especially coming off an emotional win. And I think the Sharks benefited from the fact that the Blues were also coming off an emotional win, yeah. uh, a double overtime game seven against Dallas, and then they had to travel. So you have that emotion slash fatigue um, for both teams. But if you're the home team and you don't have to go anywhere and you can just kind of sit and wait and rest and, and recharge, I think there's an edge there. And I think the Sharks used that to their advantage tonight, among other things they did well. Considering, like you said, that the Blues were coming off of a game seven and were traveling, were you surprised at how physical they were in the early goings of this game it seemed like they were intent to impose their physical will against the sharks and i don't think it had the intended effect that they expected it to because the sharks just seemingly rolled with the punches 
Well, I'm not surprised that that St. Louis came out with a physical game. I, I think that was expected. And they're that kind of a team. They're built that way, as the Sharks are, a fairly physical team. Maybe not quite so much as the Blues, but um, the Sharks were able to absorb that, as you said, and kind of kind of roll off that that physical edge. But, um, you know, when you're opening on the road, you're opening a series, and, and the Blues have some experience of their own now. Uh, remember, they were down three games to two in that series against Dallas and had to battle back with the consecutive wins and it took double overtime and Pat Maroon's goal in game seven the other night against the stars to, to end it. So they, they, they're, they're a little battle tested and have had success and they've gone through two rounds now beating two very good teams, Winnipeg in the first round and then the stars in the second. So it's not like you're, you're, you're coming in against team unsure of itself. They're very sure of themselves and rightfully so they've been the best team in the NHL since early January when they were, dead last 31st and catapulted themselves into the playoffs, mostly on the strength of an 11 game win streak, uh, which was the longest in their franchise history. And then basically keeping it going right through to the end of the season. And then through the first two rounds. So you, you've got a team that's got some confidence um, and, and they know that, that there's going to be a fatigue factor coming off game seven, double overtime traveling. So, Maybe the mind isn't as rested as you want it to be, but you do what you know best, and that's bang bodies and hit. But I thought the Sharks matched that really well, and one of the things that really impressed me was the Sharks' forecheck and the way they dealt with the game from the, the forwards uh, on the Sharks, who really came to the forefront today. This wasn't a game so much uh, dominated by a Burns or a, an Eric Carlson or a Mark Edward Vlasic, not to say that they didn't have good games, but the Sharks, as a forward group, forechecked very well and then finished very well when they were in the offensive zone. Yeah, let's talk about some of those forwards in particular. Uh, Timo Meyer, Logan Couture, and uh, Gustav Nyquist. Um, what a night for those three guys last night. They, I mean, that's about as good as a performance as you can expect out of any three guys. It was, uh, it was a terrific start. Um, Logan getting the goal early, three and a half minutes in, and should we be surprised? <laughs> Ten goals, uh, or 11 goals now, he got the empty netter at the end, leading the playoffs in goal scoring. And this is, this is the player um, among the skaters that reliably, continually raises his game in the playoffs. And I think the other player that, that we've seen being able to do that, or players, would be Vlasic mm-hmm. and then Martin Jones. But, but on the front end, uh, Logan sets the tone, gets that early goal, and uh, even though the Sharks gave it up later in the first, they were able to come right back. And then, of course, Joe Pavelski comes through again, and then they never trailed again. So uh, just a, a great job by Logan and then a great job on the empty netter late as he finished that off. Um, I like Pavelski's game again. I really like Gus Nyquist's game. Uh, he had the primary assist on that first Couture goal, and then he um, had another assist on Timo Marken goal. But, uh, you know, he's he's one of those guys, and we, we just have seen Gus um, that much because he was a trade deadline ad, uh, other than watching him when he was playing for Detroit. Yeah. He makes those small, subtle plays, those those 
those finesse plays, those skill plays. I love the, the kind of plays he makes on his backhand in traffic and things like that. And he continues for me to get better every game through the playoffs. And that's the goal, right? You want to keep getting better. And it needs to start with players within the group getting better. And Gus Nyquist uh, continues to do that. So uh, those are just a few of the guys that, that jump off the page. And then, of course, Timo Meyer. That was a world-class goal. Unreal. Um, his first goal. Just a, a fantastic individual effort. Uh, it was Peter Forsberg-esque <laughs> for those who were um, Sharks fans back in the day when they would meet the uh, the Forsberg Colorado Avalanche. Uh, it was – and and it's – I don't want to say it's about time. I'm just saying that Timo was due. Mm-hmm. I, you know, he's got five goals now after the second one tonight. But he could easily have ten. He could be right up there with Couture. He's had so many chances in these first two plus rounds, and he's been unlucky. He's hit posts. Um, he's just missed on on a number of occasions, especially um, in the Colorado series when I thought he was dominant at times. He just wasn't getting paid off. Um, with lighting the lamp but great to see him get two goals and you know what you know what it's like with goal scorers they need confidence and yeah. you have to put the puck in the net and and he did that tonight but that first goal by Timo Meyer, that's that's one of my favorite of these playoffs so far oh it was it was uh, I mean it was disgusting I mean that's just it's not fair when you see somebody do something like that and you just you have to just kind of take your hat off to it because that was just awesome and the internet immediately exploded with it and people were talking about it and it's great I, I love to see um, you know, especially for the Sharks, but when you have a moment like that, that from hockey, a great goal could just take over the internet and suddenly everybody's talking about it. But I wanted to get your take on this, Randy, because I saw it a few times from Timo during the course of the regular season. He reminds me of Patty Marlowe in that when he gets hot, the world better watch out because with Marlowe, he got, when he got hot, it, it, you know, there was nothing like that. And I feel that there's a part of Timo that's like that as well. That's a good point. He he has been streaky, and it's it's an early sample size for Timo, uh, Patty, very much so. He, but the the great thing about Patrick Marlowe is he was consistently streaky mm-hmm. in that he was consistently having hot streaks for for basically two decades, <laughs> which is why he uh, he is up there on the all time points and scoring list and games played and everything else. Um, Timo's still a young guy, and uh, here's here's the bottom line. Every scorer in the NHL is streaky. It's just varying degrees of streakiness. It's very difficult to um, compare today's forwards, today's game, to the 80s when Gretzky and Lemieux and Iserman and Hall and players like that were able to put up points every night, goals every night. I mean, Wayne Gretzky had the 90 the 92 uh, goal season. So uh, that was more than a goal tonight. That just doesn't happen anymore. It's a different league. And it, it speaks to the greatness of players like Ovechkin, who continue to be able to put up 50 goals a year, 40 goals a year on a regular basis. And, and, and Pavelski for the Sharks with his, with his tremendous ability to score. Yeah. But they're all streaky. Uh, some are just, some go through longer cold streaks um, and some get hotter. Uh, but I agree with you that, you know, Marlowe certainly had, that was a big part of his game. I remember this would go back maybe seven years ago. Patrick Marlowe had a streak where he, he went eight or nine games without a shot on goal <laughs> in the regular season. Uh, and then of course he would go on his great runs where he would, he would light the lamp. But, uh, you know, I think Timo was frustrated and I, I think he'd prefer not to be as streaky as this most recent one was. It certainly wasn't Donskoy streaky but um 
it, 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 you know, it was a long stretch for him after he had that great start to the season. But this is all part of the progress and the process of become going from being a young player who makes it to the NHL to being a consistent player in the NHL and then to becoming a great player in the NHL. And Timo's, uh, he's in between consistent and great, and he wants to be great. Mm-hmm. And uh, the less slump in his game over the seasons in the future, the better. And, you know, hopefully he doesn't get known for being streaky in a bad way. Uh, let's just hope that he can balance his game out. But I, I just I just feel like he's been really good for the most part in these playoffs. He's just been a little bit unlucky, and uh, and tonight he wasn't. Well, like you alluded to, Randy, and again, we're talking to Randy Hahn here on Morning Tide, the official morning show podcast of the San Jose Sharks. I mean, he had... The post, he missed a couple of looks, and Grubauer in that series against Colorado really just took some just unbelievable saves to rob him. And, you know, you were talking about the development of Meyer, and it reminds me of where we saw Hurdle a couple of years ago, and obviously there was a little bit of delay because the knee injury, but we see Hurdle, he has been the actualization of everything the Sharks hoped he could be and what he's done this year and in the playoffs. Hurdle has been amazing. I very much see that same mold happening with Timo Meyer right now, and it just it speaks to the Sharks' ability to develop these these guys with this unbelievable talent because not every player that has the talent is going to see it develop properly but whatever the Sharks are doing not only are they identifying these talents they're turning them into world-class players well and and it it takes the players um, willingness to want to take that next step himself as well and and this goes even deeper into what the Sharks do to identify players that they're going to draft or uh, free agents that they're going to sign. And not that the Sharks are alone in this, you know, uh, every NHL team does it. Um, some do it better than others, but uh, it's, it's about character. It's about character of these individuals. What kind of people are they? Do they want to get better? Are they satisfied with a certain level? And, and then that's it. Uh, it's, it's an inexact science because you're dealing with young men who might be 19, 18 years old when you draft them, and you have to project out that they're going to have certain traits. But then you look back into their family background and mm-hmm. the, the way that they were in their uh, younger hockey levels, and you talk to coaches and you do all the all the work that goes into uh drafting a player particularly in the uh, in the first round when it's so value it's such a valuable draft pick to have and then the literally millions of dollars that go into traveling scouts and researching these players and 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 everything else that gets to that point where you pick them uh it, it, it's crucial and it's crucial that you have character people and i can tell you because i travel with this young man um all the time uh timo meyer is has tremendous character mm-hmm. and he is uh he's a great person and that's where it starts the hockey i think comes after that uh, there's been lots of guys that have come through the NHL that were great hockey players, but they didn't have the right makeup and they weren't the right character and they they didn't know how to progress and make themselves better and challenge themselves within a team setting and, and were out of the league despite their, their talent. And uh, Timo's got a tremendous amount of uh, talent. He's got a tremendous amount of hockey sense. He's a, he's a smart hockey player. Uh, and, and he's just a good person who wants to become better every night and isn't satisfied with his game. And uh, 
you know, that just speaks to the way Doug Wilson and his scouting staff uh, with Tim Burke go about their business and, and Joe Will. Um, you know, they're, the, those, those other names I mentioned kind of go under the radar in Sharks territory. They're such crucial people because they, they shepherd all these um, players uh, and also have such an influence before they're ever drafted on, on which direction to go. And you're never going to be 100%. The mistakes are made. But uh, from what I've seen over the last – uh, 27 years and especially when i look at, most recently at a sharks franchise that doesn't get to draft high yeah because they finish so high at the end of the year they have to find these gems they have to find these character people and they consistently do great insight here with randy hahn on morning tide the official morning show podcast of the san jose sharks and a last one for you randy and while we'll talk while we're talking about character I can't look any farther than Martin Jones because he had every reason throughout this tough regular season and through a couple of those middle uh, games against Las Vegas where he could have wilted. And I think people would have understood because he was just he was getting beat up. And then instead, he has a complete resurgence in game five, has one of the all time performances in game six outperforms Flurry in Game 7 and then just is tremendous all throughout the series versus Colorado and had another solid night tonight. Um, yeah, just your thoughts on Martin Jones and everything he's been through throughout this postseason and what you saw from him tonight. Well, he impressed me again tonight. Um, I, I I just... It's, it's, a, it's a collaborative effort again, and, and nothing help happens within a vacuum, especially when you're in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But obviously Jones didn't have the regular season that we were used to from him. And then through the first four games of the Vegas series, where he was pulled in games two and four, those trends kind of continued to some extent. Not all his fault, and Vlasic being hurt was a mm-hmm. huge blow to the Sharks' defense. And, 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 and overall, I don't think the Sharks were defending in that Vegas series early on the way they needed to, particularly off the rush. And maybe that's where Martin Jones tweaked his game with Johan Hedberg, the goaltending coach, uh, under the guidance of Pete DeBoer. And, and if you don't think that there were concerns behind the scenes, no matter what is said, like we believe in him, him and he's our goalie, of course they do. Yeah. And of course he's the one, but that doesn't mean there aren't concerns. And there were. And they addressed them, and they worked on them, and Martin Jones worked on them. And I, and I think a lot of those were do a better job on the rush uh, with your angles, with your positioning, with your technique. Sorry, my dog's uh, losing it here a little bit. But the, the other side of it She agrees with what you're saying. <laughs> defending in a way that allows you to give Jones a better chance off the rush and not have to face as many dangerous chances and I thought we I thought we really saw that manifest itself in the second round in the way that the Sharks defended against Nathan McKinnon and the way Jones was able to for the most part contain him certainly not shut him down completely because McKinnon's too good to completely take him out but they did they did a really good job Martin Jones did a really good job but above all I I just I, I marvel at the confidence Pete DeBoer had in his number one goaltender and the way he handled a very delicate situation in the middle of a series when the Sharks were down 3-1 to one mm-hmm. and the hockey world, let alone Sharks fans, were clamoring for Aaron Dell to get a chance to change things up. And DeBoer stood his ground and he stuck with his guy and he didn't buckle. And Jones made the adjustments and gradually, and then the game six, the 58 save game, 
I think that was a huge shot of confidence to Martin. And now we see him after being very solid in the Colorado series. I don't remember anybody talking about goaltending issues in the second round at all when it came to Martin Jones. And and now we're in round three, and the Sharks have been able to get to a rookie goalie with five goals in game one. And there's no pressure on Martin Jones. Just 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 keep doing what you're doing. Uh, obviously, there's always pressure in that position because it's the most important position in the sport. But you know what I mean? It, the focus isn't on him and what's wrong with his game. Yeah, It's back to what we're used to, him raising his game and him putting the Sharks on his shoulders uh, at times. And I thought he was just solid again tonight. Uh, obviously, they were going to push the Blues in the third period and they got that, that third goal. And, and made it a little close, but but the Sharks bent, didn't break, and Jones made some big stops after that. And uh, I just really like where he's at right now. And if you would have talked to me three weeks ago in the middle of the Vegas series, I would have said, I don't know, it doesn't look good. <laughs> um, but that's why Pete DeBoer is the coach of the Sharks, and I just talk. <laughs> well, Randy, we love listening to you talk, and I know you and I could do this uh, all day, but you've obviously got stuff to do, so I will let you go. But it's always a pleasure uh, speaking with you, my friend, and I look forward to seeing you on Monday for game number two, all right? Thanks, Ted. I appreciate it. Always great talking to you, my friend. Again, that is Randy Hahn, the TV play-by-play voice of the San Jose Sharks. Now let's segue to some post-game sound. First, Timo Meyer with Pierre Maguire on NBC Sports Network feeling the love from the fans at SAP Center. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I think, uh, you know, big win for us tonight. Always on home ice uh, to start in the series. Uh, we played with a lot of energy and uh, great job by the guys. Can you explain the chemistry you have with Logan Couture and Gustav Nyquist? Couture with two goals, you with two goals. Your line was exemplary here tonight. Yeah, uh... You know, we're just uh, working hard in all three zones. Uh, we're trying to get better as uh, the, the series goes on. Uh, every game we try to, you know, take another step. And, uh, yeah, I think that's what we, what we got to keep going. What does playing in the Shark Tank mean to the San Jose Sharks? Oh, it's amazing. You can hear it. The fans are incredible. we best fans in the league. And, uh, you know, that says it all. Here's a little more from Myron on why the Sharks were able to have success against a physical Blues team. Yeah, they're uh, obviously a big, uh, big defenseman that uh, you know is strong. So it's uh, it's important for us to you know get in on the forecheck, uh, make the life hard on them, and uh, like uh, Cooch said, uh, support each other. And uh, you know it's, it starts uh, in the D zone. Uh, you know, get some pucks out because they're you know they're gonna make it hard on you to get the pucks out of the zone. So I think uh, we did a pretty good job uh, tonight in that. And here's the comment from Logan Couture that Meyer was alluding to. Uh, I thought we were hard on pucks in, in certain areas. On our forecheck, we were good. Um, we were able to help muscle them. Uh, on, on my goal team, we did a great job at the blue line. So, uh, we were doing a lot, of that, a lot of that tonight. And here's Couture on what he saw out of Timo. Um, I thought Timo was great tonight. I thought Timo and Gus played, played really well. Uh, he was a bull, um, you know, when he skates and... His strength, he's he's tough to defend, and uh, you know we're we're fortunate enough to to play with him on our line. And uh, I thought he was really really good, good stick, strong on pucks, and you saw the the talent on on the one where he he was able to walk around the the D man and and finish. So um, good, he's a really good player, and he's coming into his own right now. 
Eric Carlson was asked about the physical nature the Blues brought to the early stages of the game, which the Sharks appeared to laugh off during the game, and Carlson seemed to do that in the post game as well. Yeah, I think that you know we uh, we played hockey tonight, and uh, you know they worried about a few other things, and uh, we won the game. Switching gears, here's head coach of the Sharks Pete DeBoer talking about the importance of winning Game Two, something they were not able to do in the first two series of this 2019 postseason. Yeah, it's important. You're exactly right. I think. Uh, We've won game one the last two series, and and both times we've dropped game two. So, you know, hopefully as you work your way through the playoffs, you you learn from your mistakes, and um, you know they're going to be better, and they're going to be desperate. They're not going to want to go in a 2 nothing hole, and uh, we've got to handle that situation better than we have in, in the first two rounds. Speaking of mistakes, it would be a severe mistake to doubt Joe Pavelski, who has picked up right where he left off, now scoring goals in Game 7 and again in Game 1. Here's Pavs after the Game 1 win. Uh, you know what, I've been around the guys. You know, you watch the games, you're invested, for sure. Um, getting back to Game 7, you know, gives me a little confidence playing playing in that. And uh, it's nice being at home as well. You know, so you get that little extra energy from the fans and, and being here and you know, you guys have been playing good, so it's been easy to slot in. And he continued that vein when asked about his timing. Um, well, the timing feels good. I guess we watch watch the game. You know, it, you step on the ice when you get back, and it's the playoffs and you're playing. You know, you, you're you're invested. You're going hard. You're trying to do a lot of the same things again. We've been playing with guys have been playing good. You know, so you're slotting in with with a good line and guys that are playing with some confidence, and you're trying to help them out. Yeah, playing with confidence indeed as the San Jose Sharks take a 1-0 series lead over St. Louis in the Western Conference Final. That wraps it up for the latest edition of Morning Tide. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. Thank you for listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide with Ted Ramey. Music composed by Yogi Yend. New episodes appear each morning after Sharks playoff games on the Sharks Sharks Digital Digital Platforms. platforms.